I want to continue on with our study tonight. Um, we, we started off talking about the mind. Last week, we, we talked about the doctrine, and what we're talking about now is, and that word doctrine just simply means teaching, okay? The doctrine of mental attitude sins. I don't know if you guys recall what I said last week, that oftentimes, as believers, we, um, we fall into a trap uh, mentally. Uh, physically, we may look the part, but mentally... Amen. We, we may be missing the mark. All right. And so a lot of times um, what is what happens to us um, is that we don't know. Uh, we don't realize that we were trapped. Come on, somebody in a form of thinking that is not lining up with the word of God. Amen. Um, we live in a day where the word of God is, is, very, is, is very rare. Amen. People are not really preaching the word of God today. They are presenting something, but it's not the word of God. Amen. And what you have to do, as I said on Sunday, the more you come into worship, the more you will discern, amen, what's true and what's not. Amen. And so tonight, um, I want you to uh, open your Bibles real quick, and let's go to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Amen. No, we don't, you don't have to stand. Y'all. We just, amen. Um, 2 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 10. And, um, yeah, it's Bible study. Amen. Now, one second. I think it's, wait a minute. Amen. Matter of fact, go to First Corinthians chapter ten real quick. I, I want to show you something uh, that's that's really powerful. Um, let let me show you something, and, and the reason why I want to show you this because when it comes down to mental attitude sins, last week I told you that uh, we went over a few of them. Right? Uh, I told you that arrogance is one of them, a mental attitude sin, becoming arrogant, uh, pride, uh, jealousy. Um, I talked to you about impassibility, which is the ability to be unbendable, never satisfied. Amen. The person who's never satisfied, it is a mental attitude sin. Amen. Matter of fact, they have uh, in their, what takes root in their soul is this mental attitude of not being uh, satisfied or not appreciating life. Amen. We can fall into that. Amen. Uh, they are all, they're on this journey, but they're on a journey without gratitude. There's a lot of things that we can complain about, but we got, I think we got more to be grateful for. Anybody here can say you got more to be grateful for. You, you may not be where you want to be. Come on, somebody. But tell your neighbor, I'm not where I was. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, 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 and the Bible talks about this, but I want to show you something uh, the, the Bible, the, the writer, the writer here, Paul is writing to a culture of people who are, you know, uh, given over to, this was a carnal church. This particular church, a carnality means that you're a Christian, but you're living in the flesh. You're, you're operating in the flesh. Uh, you're acting like you're in the flesh, all that kind of stuff, right? And so he says here, for I do not want you to be, to be unaware, brethren, 
that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from the spiritual rock which followed them and the rock was Christ. In other words, what, what the writer Paul is describing is Israel's journey in the wilderness. When they were eating the manna, when they were drinking the water, they were actually drinking of Jesus. Amen. Spiritually. All right. See, here's the thing. If, if you are, if you don't have a, a spiritual mind, it's hard to discern spiritual things. But look what he says. He says, nevertheless, with most of them, watch this now, with most of them, God was not well pleased for they were laid low in the wilderness. Amen. Now, these things, this is what I want to show you right here. Now, when it says God was not well pleased for they were laid low in the wilderness, it literally means that they grumbled. Their mental attitude was this. Man, why are we out here? Man, we should have stayed in Egypt. Mental attitude. Some even say that's, that's you know, ingratitude. But watch this. They wanted deliverance. They came out of Egypt. But yet when they got what they asked for. Come on, help me somebody. That is impassibility. That is the ability not to bend or be satisfied with what you have. Amen. Watch this. It says, now these things, I want you to look at verse 6. These things happen as what? To who? For who? Now I got a few people to tell me, they want to go through stuff rather than be advised before they go through what they go through. In other words, you can't tell them not to do something. They want to go experience it for themselves. They would rather get the experience. When God says, listen, I left on record something for you so that maybe you and I can learn from the examples of what came before you. Are you following me? Tell your neighbor you need a good example in your life. Amen. It's okay. You don't have to go through that. And some of us are going through stuff because we're so stubborn. Come on, say amen. Amen. And let me tell you what stubbornness is. It's a mental attitude sin. Remember what I told you, right? You may be thinking, man, I'm, I'm going to church. I'm serving God. I'm praying. I'm living right. I'm doing all this stuff. But yet, but yet, and maybe you have not looked at your, ah, your thinking. And that's where the enemy will actually pull a fast one on us in our mind, in our thinking. Listen, if you start sitting here thinking sad, some of y'all start crying. <laughs> if you start thinking, I'm in a bad mood, you know what I'm saying? It happens, y'all. Our thinking, listen to this. I'm going to show you something here in a second, okay? Watch this. He says, look what he says. 
He says, these things happen, for example, so that we would not what? Crave evil things as what? As they also crave. Do not be idolaters. As some of them were, as is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 25, 23,000 fell in one day. That account is in Genesis, in Exodus. Here's the thing. The people stood up against God. It, when Moses went up to the mountain to get the word of God, they stood down there at the foot of the mountain, and they were having orgies. They were having parties. They were drinking. They were, listen, they were living as the world. In other words, they were intoxicated by their culture that they had just left. Here's the thing. But it was a mental thing for them because what Israel kept doing was thinking about the, the back in the day. But what they did not do was honor God in the present. What God was trying to show them in the now, they were rejecting it because they were living in the past. You follow me? Here's the thing. Your flesh is going to rise up. It is. And what you and I have to learn to do is be able to catch it and be able to say, okay, I can't do that. That's not going to be advantageous to my life. That's not going to be healthy for me. But watch verse 9. He says, nor did they, nor let us try the Lord, watch this, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. There it is. Nor grumble as some, huh? Nor what? Grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, verse 11 is the key. Now, these things happen to them. As what? Tell your neighbor, I need a good example. Saints, I need to ask you a question tonight. Are you learning anything? And I'm not just talking about learning from other people. I'm talking, are you learning from the mistakes that you've made? You see, it's all in the mind. And if we keep repeating those mistakes... Okay, we will find ourselves. So what God has to do is show us clearly that's not what I want to do. Look what he says. He says, he says, now these things happen to them as an example, and they were written for what? Our what? What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that not only do you have an example, but now you know what to do. The problem with most believers is they have a hard time applying the word. Because what happens between church and your car is a fight. And here's what the fight is in your mind. It is a battle and Satan has launched a war against our minds. Listen to this. Richard Swanson in his book, Margin, describes the society in which we live as troubled. He says we have more questions than answers, more problems than solutions. Few know where they are headed, amen, and few know 
how to get there. He goes on to cite statistics that 30 million men and women in America described, themse described themselves as stressed out. Imagine that. The average desk worker in America works 36 hours a day on a desk and spend three hours a week just sorting through the piles of mess in their lives. Do I have a witness? In other words, he says we carry stress around like a badge of honor. I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out. We keep saying it like it's a badge of honor. And this is especially true among business people and community leaders. But I say this, much of our stress in our lives come from the fact that we have not learned from our example. Our minds and that, and let me say this to you, stress is a mental attitude sin. I, I'm going to get into stress tonight. Are you with me? I, I, I'm going to say it one more time. We have to stop saying that we're stressed out. We have to stop giving Satan more credit than he even should get. I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out. Listen to this. Go to First Samuel. Let me finish. Let me finish Hebrews real quick. See, now these things happen for there to them as an example, and they were written for our instructions upon whom the ends of the age have come. Are you seeing that? Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not what fall. The moment that you start thinking, that's pride. The moment that you start thinking that you got it. Listen, it's okay to know you got it, but make sure you're leaning on something. Make sure you're, you're, you're living this thing. Make sure when I say leaning on something, I'm saying that you're speaking from the point of view that you know the Lord and you have a relationship with him and you're getting stronger. But watch this. He says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation. There it is, y'all. I'm stressed out. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man and God. Now, what you'll see here in this passage, you'll see the one of the attributes of God. One of the communicable attributes. What is that, Pastor? Communicable attributes means that God shares this attribute with us. In other words, we in turn can share it back with him. Lord have mercy. I'm going to say it one more time. God shares this attribute. What attribute is that? And God is, come on somebody and say it. Faithful. So what does that really mean? Let's break that down for a minute. If God is faithful, what does that mean to me? I'm going through. I'm stressed out. I got this and that and the third going on, so I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make it. If, if, not if, he says, and God is faithful. The is there is an emphatic. It's in that imperative mood. 
stating it to be a fact. And because God is faithful, what am I supposed to do? Lean on him. Trust him. Depend on him. Many of us are thinking about all of the other things in our lives that has us anxious, but I want you to stop thinking that way and start saying to yourself, my God is faithful. And then I want you to add a because there. And because God is faithful, no weapons, come on somebody, formed against me. Come on, help me, will you? And no temp, you know what most people fall to? Temptation. You know what the word temptation really means? There's two, there's two words in the, in, the, in the Bible for temptation. This temptation here has to do with testing. A lot of what we deal with in this Christian life is a test. And oftentimes, you don't even know that that was the test that was about to take you to graduation, to elevation, to promotion. Come on and help me, somebody. To the next level. God will not move you from where you are until you pass the test. Temptation is not always sexual in nature. The temptation and context that he's talking about is how Israel knew the Lord, walked with the Lord, but yet they stood up and played rather than praise the God of the universe. Rather than continued in gratitude, they continued in grumbling. Oh, come on, say amen. That's the temptation that he's talking about right here. He says, God, he says, look, we said no temptation has taken, has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, here's what we say when we're stressed out. You don't understand what I'm going through. If you only knew what I was dealing with right now. Stressed out. Watch this. God says there's not a temptation that you'll ever face that Jesus didn't face. Oh, I'm trying to help you tonight. I'm trying to help somebody tonight. Watch this. He says there's not a temptation that you're going through that Jesus has not been through, that he does not know what it feels like. The reason that Jesus had to step down from deity and take on humanity it is because he had to feel what you feel. Do I have a witness? And I want to say somebody, something to somebody here tonight that he knows what you're going through. But it's up to you to make up in your mental attitude that I am not going to cave in or give in to those thoughts that causes me to deny the cross. Because every time we say that we don't know what to do and we don't see a way out, we are denying what the Bible says is true. May I ask you a question? I, we already went over this. How many of you believe the word of God is true? 
I told you that the word of God is what? Living. Yeah. Sharp. Right? Piercing. Why is it sharp? Why is it sharp? Why is it a two-edged? All right? Now, you got to understand, it has purpose. It is going out in your life tonight as you're listening. It's sounding down in your ears and it's going into your heart. But watch this. It could either go into your mind as gnosis, which is knowledge, head knowledge. Or it can go into, it can transfer from your head by way of the Holy Spirit into your heart. That's called epinosis. And epinosis is where you take it from just man, what I know about it to me walking it out, to me living it out, to me trusting God, believing that this word is going to change my life. I came here tonight for a word. I mean, you came here tonight for a word. And I want to ask God to take that word tonight and transform my life. Are you with me? Watch what he says. He says, he says, has not overtaken you. But such as is common to man, so stop saying you're the only one going through that. Somebody else on the other side of town going through the same thing. Such as is common to man, anthropos. That word man means man or woman. So what he's saying is, you really don't, we really, we really don't got no excuses. Your situation is rough, but my situation is rough too. Are you with me? He says it's common to man. Watch this. He says, he says, and this is the part that you have to trust God with. He says, and God is faithful. I thank God for that attribute. I thank God for that attribute. But here's what I thank God for. He's faithful. Therefore, I can be faithful. Here's the thing, that faithfulness that we have to God, it doesn't come from you. It is a fruit of, and some of us, we struggle with faithfulness. God says, if I show you how faithful I, okay, all right, let me ask a question. Has God been faithful to you? How many can say you've been faithful to you? How, how did God display his faithfulness to you today? He woke you up this morning. You see, he could have missed you and went to somebody else. Oh, I wish I had somebody. But he was faithful that every morning he wakes you up. Here's another part of his faithfulness. He allowed you to make it to your destination safely. Some of you have went a bunch of places today. Anything could have happened. Tell your neighbor God is faithful. Did the sun come out this morning? God is faithful. Come on, somebody. Did, did, he, did he provide for you? Did you have lunch today? How many didn't have lunch Monday today? 
All right, everybody had lunch money. Did you eat today? God is faithful. <laughs> yes. You understand what I'm saying? What, what I'm, trying to, what I'm trying, to, trying to show you tonight is that we get stressed out by the trials, not knowing if we pass this test. I want you to pay attention to your life and look at the cycles of things that keep happening to you, and it keeps on happening to you. That means you're not passing the test. If that same thing is happening to you in a different location, you did not pass the test. And until you pass the test, the test giver is going to keep giving you the test. Huh? I need to pass this test. I feel in my spirit that somebody here tonight it's time for you to pass the test. You've been stuck in the mud. Come on, somebody. But you have to pass the what? The test. Look what he says. He says, God is faithful. Who will not? Watch this now. Here's the beauty of, about the test. He will not allow you to be tempted, what? Wait, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Is that cheating? <laughs> you, you, you and I have to understand something. Everything that's going on in your life, God has his hands on it. Nothing leaves God's mind about you. Nothing escapes him about you. You want to know why? Because if he can orchestrate the test, if he can implement the test, and if he says, watch what he says, who will not allow you to be what? Beyond what you are. Is it a setup? Wait a minute. I can't handle this. God says, no. Why do you think some of the stuff we pray for don't get answered? Because he says, what you think you can't do? I allowed you to get into that situation because I know you can get through it. Stop saying you can't and start saying you can. Because I was orchestrated and ordained in this position to do this, to be here. So guess what? And God says he will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able. What does that really mean? That means that God is not going to put too much on me where I can't handle it. I'm saying it's so hard. So hard to stop drinking. So hard to stop smoking. So hard to stop thinking negative. It's so hard to stop stressing out. No, God says, listen, I've given you many opportunities, but not only that, but I've put enough on you that I know you're able. You have to tap in. Stop tapping out 
and tap in. Take the shot. Come on, somebody. Head for the end zone. I wish I had somebody. Because what you're dealing with tonight, you're able. I know God is able. But he says, you're able. I'm not going to put more on you beyond what you are able. But watch this. Here's what's so beautiful about this. Here's what's so beautiful about this. Watch this. You got to watch the scripture. Look what he says. But with the what? Somebody hold their hand right there and flip over to Romans 8.28 real quick. Put your hand right there. Flip on over to Romans 8.28. Put Romans 8.28 on the screen for me. Hold it now. I want you to show you now. He says, I wish I could do two screens, split screens. He says, he says, he says, but with the temptation will provide what? The way of escape. Also, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're telling me that I can handle it and I can get through it. Why? Not only am I able, but God has orchestrated this way. He has set it up this way. Romans 8.28 says what? And we know God, it's called synergism. Two opposite agents coming together to make up something good. He says, and we know that God causes all things to work together. For what? Good. But here's the promise and the stipulation to this passage. To those who, people say they love God, but how much do you really love him? If you love God, would you give everything you have to him? Uh oh, got quiet and everybody's shut me down. Would you, would, you, would you give everything to him tonight? Would you give it all? Would you deed it all to him tonight? But what about me? See, here's the problem. We're so worried about us that we don't know the one that gave you all that stuff. He says to those who love God, I found this to be true. But let me say this. In the book of Revelation, go to Revelation. Gosh, I wasn't going to go to Revelation. Well, let's go there. Revelation chapter 1, chapter 2. My goodness. Chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel, to the church of the church of Ephesus, right? The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, that's Jesus. So Jesus is describing himself in this way to John who's on an island in Patmos. And what he was doing there, he was exiled there in Ephesus because he was preaching the gospel. But God had to isolate him. Watch this. God had to Get him to a place, seclusion for revelation. Lord have mercy. Sometimes you don't know why God icing all them people out your life. Moving you to a place where you're standing by yourself because he wants to give you revelation. Watch what he says. He says, uh, among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds. 
your toil and your perseverance, and you do not tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. Let me tell you what's happening here in Ephesus. Everybody was an apostle. Everybody was calling themselves an apostle. Everybody was claiming to be an apostle. False teaching had arisen. Listen, Ephesus was where the temple Diana was, temple prostitute, all kinds of stuff was happening. The culture was there and people were rising up saying, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle. They were looking for profit. They weren't looking for really to change lives. And Jesus says to this church from heaven that I know, look at verse two, I know your deeds. Okay, let me back it up, hit the rewind tape. Ready? Watch this. Jesus is in heaven. He's writing to the angel of the church, which is the pastor. He's transmitting this message from an angel, from a spirit to John in a vision. And he says to John, I know your what? If God knows our deeds from heaven, he knows about this church. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about how we're doing. God knows. He knows what we're doing here on earth. I know your deeds. He says, watch this. He said, you can't tolerate evil men. You put them to the test, right? And you found them to be false. And you have what? Perseverance. And you have what? Endured for my name's sake. See that? And have not grown weary. And there's so much in that verse right there. Here's the thing. They were fighting off false teachers. They, they weren't getting weary and tired, right? Pastor wasn't stressed out. You know what I'm saying? He was holding it down. He was holding it down for Jesus' sake. But watch this. He says, but I have this against you. <laughs> Imagine that. You got it well done. But then at the end of that well done, he says, I got this against you that you have left your first love. What does that mean? I'm in a temptation. I'm in a trial. Romans 8.28 comes into play, and we know God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. But see, the true test of if he is your first love is Matthew 6.33. You see, we can be doing this for the wrong person. When you leave your first love, it means that now you're self-sustaining yourself. You're no longer doing it for Jesus. Man, this has been a conviction upon my heart, and I've been talking to our staff, and I've been telling them, listen, when we go out in this community, what we're doing is we're getting ready to deliver those sneakers. By the way, thank you so much. God bless y'all. Those of you who sold into the sneakers drive, we finally got it. Amen. We'll be delivering it on Monday. Amen. We delivered the check today and praise God for that. Amen. But here's the thing, y'all. With all of our good works, if we leave our first love, if you sing for God, it has to be because you love him. If you serve God, it has to be because you love him. But here's the thing. If, if you leave, let me ask you this. 
who is first in your life? I mean, who has first place in your heart? He says, y'all did all of this. But look what he says. He says, you've left your first love. It means that you've left out the key ingredient for why you are a church. Churches take on different spirits. Churches take on different missions. But the one thing we have to fight for in a dark world, saints, is that we are not leaving Jesus out. What does it mean to leave your first love? What does it mean? He says, you've done all this. He says, verse 5, therefore, remember, he gives them hope. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember real quick for a second, all you stressed out people. I ain't talking to everybody, just the stressed out people. Remember when you first got saved? Does anybody remember that? Yeah? Everybody? Oh. Remember how exciting it was? Remember how you, you were like, you were willing to give up, you were willing to give up everything to be in church, to be in his presence. Like, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, I want to do that. You know, you were just so excited until the test came. And then you're like, then you, then, you, then you ran into some bad actors in church. Then you fell into some bad relationships. And then everything begins to become very, very stale, stagnated. But can I tell you something? That was a test. And just because you were hurt doesn't give you the right to leave your first love. He didn't break your heart. I wish I had somebody. Jesus didn't break your heart. Jesus didn't break your heart. Lord, hear me from heaven, Lord. Jesus didn't break your heart. It's those imperfect people in an imperfect world Come on, somebody, in a fallen world that broke your heart. So you got to forgive them and you have to fall in love again with Jesus. Jesus, he says, remember, that's why I'm emphasizing this. He says, go back and think. Y'all remember, anybody remember when you first fell in love? Uh-oh, oh, I shouldn't have opened that can. <laughs> Got a tough church here. <laughs> remember, remember, remember talking on the phone all night? I'm saying all night. Falling asleep. Now you hang up. No, no, you hang up. No. Come on, y'all. Yeah, yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah. Listen, y'all text now. I'm saying, like, you know, I remember having the phone cord all the way in my bedroom. You know what I'm saying? Y'all ain't trying to hit me. We didn't have cordless phones, you understand what I'm saying? And and we had to pull it from one room to the next. But but watch this stuff. But 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 you ever you ever remember uh y'all don't remember this. 
You, you ever remember sending I love you on the pager? You know how to say I love you in, in, in characters? Y'all don't know about that. See, see, y'all got text message now. Now it's hearts and all this other stuff. But what I'm saying to you tonight, you got to remember. Somebody here tonight, I want to tell you, you got to remember. You got to remember, remember. He says, remember when, remember how, remember how awesome it was. The love relationship you had with Jesus. Look what he says. Look what he says. He says, remember? Remember what? Remember what? Remember from where you have fallen and repent. Watch this. And do the deeds. Ah. Real simple. Go back to doing what you were doing. Man, listen, I want to help some married people. Now, trouble. We got troubles and we can go back to what you were doing at first. When you were trying to get her, what you were doing? Washing the dishes, cooking. You doing all now, you come home and just kick your feet up. You want somebody to serve you. You know what I'm saying? But when y'all first, when y'all first got married, man, listen, listen, you didn't have to do, you know, he was washing clothes, washing dishes. He was doing all that. Now, shoot, all he do is sit there and snow on the couch and expect you to do all the work. Remember when you didn't have as many headaches? Yeah, I missed that one. That, that went over your head. I'm going to say one more Remember when you didn't have that many headaches? But now every two weeks you got a headache. Y'all ain't trying to hit me. But remember when you didn't have no headaches at all. Like, shoot, I'm perfect health. He says, remember from where you're falling. And do what? Repent. And do the deeds you did at first. Here's the thing. You know why he mentions deeds? Watch this. They had become so intellectual and so guarded as a church, like sound doctrine. Making sure we got the text right. Make sure we push it out all these false teachers that they had stopped working. You can do that in your Christian life. You can read your Bible all day, every day, and you can do all that, but you ain't doing nothing in church. No works. Your works don't save you. They prove that, watch this, they give a testimony that you're saved. Your works give a testimony that you belong to your master because who you love, you will serve. Come on, somebody. He says, y'all, y'all, repent, remember, repent, and return. The three R's. Go back and do what you were doing at first. Matter of fact, get your deeds up. Now, when you flip back over to Romans 8.28, I got to go. My time is up. Gosh, doggy. When you flip back over to Romans 8.28, it says what? It says, and we know. God causes all things to, to work together for who? Specifically. Who? Huh? 
Those who are what? Number one, what? Called. Kaleo. Parakaleo. You, you know what call means? The word para means against. So either way, even when you're called out, you're always leaning against something. You're never alone. Parakaleo means you're, you're leaning against Jesus and you're never alone. I'm trying to get you to believe this tonight. But if, if you have all these mental attitude sins running around in your mind, it's going to prevent you from actually applying it. Because you and I may think that the temptation that we're facing right now is so hard to bear right now. Why? Because nobody's never been through what I've been through. But he says, God is what? God is what? He causes all things to work together for those who are what? Those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. So wait a minute. Your, your temptation fits your purpose. Hey. And then if you go back over to 1 Corinthians again, he says not only is your purpose fit, your, your temptation but here's the thing. He says, and that temptation will not overpower you for God with the temptation. Go there for me. What is it? He said, I got to hurry up. Where is it at? Give it to me. God, God with the temptation. Watch what he says. And, and go back there for a second. Go back there. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation. God will take the very thing that you think is trying to destroy you and he will use it according to Romans 8.28 for your good, but you got to return to your first love and to the deeds you were doing before. If you started doing something, you stopped, get back in line. So many inconsistent Christians, man. So many inconsistent Christians. And you know why they're inconsistent? Because just like the church of Ephesus, what we do, saints, is we do it for a while and then we lose interest because we fall out of love with the main person, and that's Jesus. And when you fall out of love with Jesus, or when you fall away from your first love, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. He says he will provide a way of escape also so that you will be able to get out of it, get around it, leave it, move past it. No, endure it. You know what the word endurance means? It means you'll have the patience. And when you're done, get ready for promotion. The reason we keep going back to the same old stuff is because we're not getting through our temptations very well. And so what we're doing is out of, out of stress, next week I'll deal with this, comes bitterness. Mental attitude sin, bitterness. We become bitter because we feel like God is unfair. God should have never let me get into this accident. God should have never let me lose my job. God should have never let me do this and do that in the third. And God said, no, you just didn't endure. No, I gave you a way of escape. You just took the other route. You knew you were stealing. You knew you were shimming. You knew you weren't giving 
but you wanted 100% pay. How can you expect 100% pay when you only given 30% work? Hello. And if you didn't know, we're stewards. And as a steward of God, what we should do is be faithful whatever God has put in our hands. But here's what I found out. I'm telling you, man, I'm teaching through this book of Revelation. It's tripping me out. It's actually doing something to my life spiritually. It's, 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 it's God, is, God is doing something in me. Here's what he's doing. He's bringing me back to basics. I had to really evaluate, God, am I doing this because I love you? Am I really serving you because you're my first love? He says, Jesus, when his mother and his father, and when his mother and his brothers came to the crowd and said, yo, I'm Jesus' mother. I'm Jesus' brother. Word got to Jesus, right? This is what Jesus said. He said, who is my mother, my father, my brother? They that sit at my feet. He wasn't disowning them. He was trying to show them the most important thing is the word of God. And that's why we come to Bible study. And that's why we come to learn. And that's why we come to praise and, and, and serve, saints. We're having such a hard time getting people to serve. I don't understand it. Difficult time getting people to give up some time to go serve the community and share the gospel of Jesus Christ for one hour, one and a half hours before we were just sitting in Pearland just doing church. Can I speak to you real quick? That's all we were doing. We were coming, meeting, go home. Coming, meeting, go home. Coming, meeting, go home. Now God has given us a mission. We've revived those things that were dead. And all I'm saying, here's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to convict you or convince you. What I'm saying to you, if Jesus is your first love, I ain't got to say nothing else. I will see you. Amen? Give God a hand clap of praise.